I want you to turn in your Bible to James 4. Go ahead, don't rush the offering. We don't want to rush that. Just take your time. But when the offering bucket passes you by and you're able to, turn to James chapter 4. We're talking about, and if you want to please put up on the screen, Tina, the, the JPEG of the series we're involved in. I was praying about a title for the series, and that's it right there. God wants you filled. Everybody say, God wants me filled. Do you, do you realize that effective ministry is supposed to come out of overflow? We're so filled with God and filled with the Word, it's just spilling out everywhere we go. As opposed to scraping the bottom of the barrel when a need arises and you need to pray for somebody, you're thinking, oh, what are those scriptures? Oh, I don't feel like I'm anointed. What can I do? That, that's, that's where the devil wants us. He wants us empty, on our way to heaven, with very little influence toward others until we get to heaven. One of the main reasons the Lord wants you filled with the Spirit is for dying, crying, sighing humanity all around you. Well, I just don't know if I want to be filled with the Spirit. Well, the whole world around you needs you filled with the Spirit. So maybe we should go beyond just what do I want, what do I not want, maybe that's not for me, not my personality. What does the Lord say and what would be best for the dying, crying, sighing world all around us? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. Well, I don't know if I believe in prosperity. Well, what about all the people around you that could use some help in the financial area? Maybe it's not all about me, me, us, our four, and no more. Maybe it's about others. Maybe we're, maybe we're vessels, you know, pouring out on others, and we are. So even being filled with the Spirit, God wants us filled. I want to show you tonight, uh, with the help of the Lord, not only this main uh, emphasis that God wants you filled. He wants every believer in the body of Christ filled with the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. And if we're satisfied not doing that, something's radically wrong. We need to get in the Word and find out, why am I satisfied without something the Lord said I should be walking in? Sometimes satisfaction is subtle warfare of the enemy because if we're satisfied, well, let me put it this way. If people are satisfied without accepting Jesus, they're probably not going to get saved and they're going to end up in hell. So now that satisfaction turns into a warfare thing that you need to acknowledge and realize, you know what? This satisfaction is actually violent warfare and I'm losing. I better get very unsatisfied with not having Jesus in my life and realize I need Him more than I feel like I do. So let's turn to the first scripture, James chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want to read you a couple things. Actually, we'll read this verse first and then we'll, I'll share these things with you. James chapter 4, verse 17. We went to this scripture last week. James says, Therefore, or the Holy Spirit says, through James, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. And now I'm not going to go over the whole thing. You can listen to the archive of last week. It was powerful. Um, after the message last Wednesday night, nine people came forward and got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. Um, because the Lord wants us filled, especially in these last days. But we told you last week that when we know to do something good that the Lord tells us to do, instructs us to do, and we don't do it, we know to do it, but we don't do it, that's a sin to us. And it's a sin of omission versus a sin of commission. Commission is doing bad things we know we shouldn't do. Sins of omission is not doing good things we know we should be doing. 
And we talked about this extensively last week, that when you know what the Scriptures say about be filled with the Spirit, now it becomes an issue of, am I going to do that or am I not going to do that? And it can become a sin of omission when you, don't know, when you do know and don't do it. You all following me here? Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is something good we're supposed to do. And if we don't do that, we've omitted something that was good, and to us it's sin. And I told you last week that a lot of sins of omission, you know, not being filled with the Spirit, not seeking first the kingdom of God, you know, not making time for Him on a daily basis, and uh, not walking in love, not believing when we know better, right? Those are sins of omission, and if we don't do those things, we're going to be weak, vulnerable, and we're going to fall for all kinds of stuff that the enemy throws our way because we've omitted some things. And we'll get into all this committing of sin because we've omitted some good things we were supposed to do that would keep us strong and alert and filled and bright and keen and not deceived. And so these sins of omission have to be acknowledged because a lot of people are repenting and asking God and crying out to God, Oh God, I'm so sorry I lusted out. Oh God, I'm so sorry I, I, I hit that person. Oh God, I'm so sorry I, I got drunk again. Oh God, I'm so sorry. They're, they're repenting for sins of commission, but they need to go a little deeper and repent for the reason they're even doing those things. Hmm? See, you can't just look at the visible problem Go back, look what led up to the visible problem. Why did you fall for that temptation in the first place? Could it be that maybe you omitted putting God first, being filled with the Spirit, you were weak that day, temptation came, you blew it, you flaked out, you hurt somebody, could it all be connected to you not being strong like you should have been before the temptation came? Sins of omission lead to sins of commission. And so if we're omitting these big deals, these things the Lord tells us to do, no wonder we're weak when temptation comes. No wonder having a hard time getting our prayers answered, standing in faith long enough till a miracle occurs. No wonder we fall by the wayside, don't stick with our commitments, blow to and fro like a leaf in the wind. No wonder, man, if you're not doing the things you should be doing, you're going to be weak when the pressure comes. When's the last time you said, Lord, forgive me for not being filled with the Spirit? That's why I flaked out. That's why I committed that stupid sin. I obviously wasn't filled with the Spirit at that moment. Because, see, that's a root problem. A lot of branches connected to these root problems of omitting things we know we should be doing. All right, so you all knew that Wednesday night is midweek meat, right? So sometimes we're going to hear some things you have to chew on. So refusal to be filled is a sin of omission. Now, so I just look at it like, now we're going to go to Ephesians 5. Turn there while I'm talking. Um, I, if the Lord tells us to be filled with the Spirit, then we should be super interested in what that means. Being filled with the Spirit, let me, let me just chalk this off your list. Being filled with the Spirit is not discernible by how you feel. Woo! Did you feel that? I feel with the Spirit! Not necessarily. Could just be something emotional happening to you. <laughs> Don't judge where you're at with the Lord by a feeling. 
There's days you're going to feel like you're not even saved and you could be operating the strongest in faith at that time if you're still speaking the word and acting on what he told you to do. Actually, I think we're strongest in faith when we feel like we're out of faith, but we keep moving on the way we're supposed to. So, in uh, Ephesians 5, and I told you I was going to read this, but let me read one more scripture, and then I'm going to read you a few things here off my notes. Ephesians 5, let's back up to verse 15, and we're going to read through verse 18. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says to the church, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now he's going to start telling us a little bit more how to do that. Next verse. Redeeming the time, being very cautious of what you're using your time on. Right? Because you can get more of this, more of that, but you can never get more time. I know a lot of people have a hard time understanding this, but time is way more valuable than money. You can lose all your money today, but gain it a few years down the road some more, but you lose time, it's gone. So he said, redeeming the time, why? Because the days are evil. Next verse. Wherefore, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord? Well, he that does the will of God is going to remain forever. Very important to know what the will of the Lord is. He said, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, one of the things that's the will of God is in the next verse. It just so makes sense, right? He says, what's the will of God? And then he tells us. Next verse. Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. One translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit of God stimulate you. <laughs> got to watch out about what you turn to. We got to watch out about turning to the things the world turns to to get the relief that they're getting. We have something so much better than what the world turns to. We have the Holy Spirit of God who will fill you. You can get drunk on the Holy Spirit, right? You can, you can get filled with the Holy so much so that you just, that people call you drunk. I think we need some more meetings like that. Do you, Hunter? I think we need some more get drunk on the Holy Ghost meetings. Why? Because people need something to cope with this crazy life. And we've got something way better than this world's intoxication. We've got the Holy Spirit of God. And it says, don't, don't get your stimulus from wine. Get your stimulus from the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God stimulate your souls. That's what one translation says. But what does it say? Why does, he, why does he even say that in this verse when he says, but be filled with the Spirit? Because he's telling you, we don't need to turn to things that the world turns to for refreshing, for whatever. We've got the Holy Spirit. We can be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever been there besides your pastor? <laughs> it's wonderful to get so filled with the Holy Ghost, you just don't care what anybody thinks. You'll dance and shout and sing. And He won't make you, the Holy Spirit won't make you do anything, but the more you drink and open up and believe God, there are some... I, I really believe, Carla, a lot of the reasons we are still here and the church is doing well today and moving forward is because we've had some Holy Ghost meetings in the past. Things that were done in those meetings shot out into our future and, and caused things to happen that would not have happened if we weren't in those meetings. We've probably been in 20 or 30 of those meetings or more. Where, I mean, the Holy Ghost moves, you're just shouting and praising, sometimes you fall down, and it's powerful. 
Things get fixed in those meetings. Now, when you get drunk in the world, you get hangovers and headaches, or you wake up the next morning, wish you hadn't done a bunch of things that you've done. And when you get drunk in the Spirit, it's a whole different deal. You get up from the morning after being filled with the Holy Ghost, you find out there's certain problems not even there anymore. You're on a higher level. Things are different, better. It's just amazing what the Lord can do in those meetings. So before we go into this any further, be filled with the Spirit. You see that up there? Be filled. Did everybody see that? Can I ask you a question? Who's Paul saying be filled with the Spirit to? Well, I'm going to save you time. Ephesians chapter 1 says this whole book of Ephesians, this letter, was written to the church at Ephesus. Saints, faithful in Christ Jesus, believers. He's telling Christians, hey Christian, be filled with the Spirit. Obviously, being saved doesn't mean you're filled. He's writing to all saved people. The church at Ephesus. Every believer in Ephesus. And he's saying to believers, heaven bound, born again, legitimately saved. He's writing to believers. And he says to believers that are saved, be filled with the Spirit. So obviously, being saved is not the same as being filled. Or why would Paul write to the entire church and say, be filled? I'm going over this because people need to realize just because you're saved doesn't mean you're filled. As a matter of fact, you can't even get filled until you are saved. Holy Spirit's not going to fill somebody up who's unregenerate, heathen, and not born again on the inside. You've got to have a new wineskin if you want the new wine. Hmm? Jesus said that everlasting life is a well of water in you springing up to everlasting life. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, but it's not being filled with the Spirit. There's a work of the Holy Spirit in salvation, but being filled with the Spirit is another experience. Jesus said if you're born of the Spirit, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That's talking about being born again on the inside, becoming brand new on the inside, new creature in Christ. But then the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, which is another experience that every believer should take. They should move into that area as well because the Lord wants you to, and that's what this whole series is entitled, God Wants You Filled. So, let me say it again. He wrote this to born-again believers. But I'm going to go one step further and tell you that he also wrote this to born-again believers who had an initial filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 19. For time's sake, I'll just quote it to you. Paul came to Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, way before Paul wrote this letter. The beginning of the church at Ephesus. Came to Ephesus, found certain disciples, and said unto them, and I wish I could ask the entire church world this question today. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And Paul said, well, what were you baptized unto? They said, John's baptism for the remission of sins. And so Paul laid his hands on them. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were totally legit, legit, totally saved. And he laid hands on them. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Well, how do you know if a glass is full of water? Something happens on the outside of the glass, right? It starts overflowing. Our little picture up there, right? It overflows. It runs down the table. It starts dripping. If you're filled, there's an overflow. 
the scriptural overflow is speaking in tongues and or prophesying or magnifying God. That's our New Testament pattern and example. And the way you stay filled, the way you maintain a spirit-filled life is you speak in tongues every day. You will stay to a degree filled with the spirit if you'll just speak in tongues every day. I can't remember one day in the last 35 years that I haven't spoken tongues every day. And it's, you, you begin to like maintain a spirit-filled life. And it's really interesting because, you know, you begin to see things differently than most other people. You know, when you're like believing God for a miracle, others are kind of like, well, I don't know if that's going to work or not. And you're like, why are you thinking that way? You can't judge and you don't want to judge people. But it, when you're filled with the spirit, the supernatural is real to you. Deliverance from any problem is real to you. Healing of any disease for anybody is real to you because you're filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, are you kidding me? How hard is it for the Lord to heal anybody? He wants everybody free. You think different, you talk different, you act different when you're living a Spirit-filled life. And people that aren't Spirit-filled do have a tendency to criticize those that are filled with the Spirit. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that Scripture up there. So do this with me now. Turn to another Scripture. And I'm going to read you these little sayings here. Turn to Proverbs 24. And let me read you this. As we talk tonight, I felt like the, the subtitle of this message tonight would be something like, Filled and Fruitful. <laughs> Alright? So really, if you think about it, when the Lord tells us to do things... Um, we need to receive what he told us to receive even in order to do those things properly. A lot of believers have tried to do certain things the New Testament teaches believers to do, but they haven't received what Jesus said you should have in order to do them. And there's a lot of believers that got totally frustrated with certain commandments, certain lifestyles that the Lord wants us to practice. They've gotten frustrated and abandoned those lifestyles because they tried so hard year after year to change and they couldn't. Not realizing, well, if you're not filled with the Spirit, it's sometimes literally impossible to get victory over certain things. And so they get frustrated and turn to unnatural lifestyles because the church hasn't taught enough on how to be filled with the Spirit so they could overcome those things. There's some sins some people are never going to overcome if they don't go to a church that teaches being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues and they get involved with that church. They'll never overcome. They'll probably surrender to the desires and the feelings of an unnatural life because the church, I'm putting the blame on the church, because the church hasn't taught how to live a spirit-filled life so that you don't even want that lower life anymore. Let alone be the victim of it and not you know, ever get out of it. Tell, tell me if you're getting that. Anybody getting what, what the Lord's saying to us? This is so valuable in the day we're living in. It doesn't surprise me that even believers have taken left turns into this unnatural zone and into this, well, I was born this way zone. It doesn't surprise me. It just shows me that the churches that they're going to must not be teaching fullness of the Spirit and full deliverance or those people would have got free. 
And I'm not saying everybody, everybody in church leadership or whatever in those churches is. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if we're not teaching how to live a spirit-filled life, no wonder people are surrendering to lower-level things that God wants them to walk free from. Living a spirit-filled life will save your life. I know I say this many times and I want it to sink in. There's people in prison tonight, Christians in prison for life because they were not spirit-filled the day they committed that crime. Because if they were spirit-filled that day, they would not have wanted to commit that crime. Or if a little feeling or lust did come their way, they would have overcame it because you can't be living a spirit-filled life and falling for all these sins all around you. He said, well, but what about, what about that guy? They, they say they're a spirit-filled Christian. And they went down and robbed that, that gas station. Well, they weren't spirit-filled that day. Paul's telling people who had an initial filled with the Spirit experience to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because, well, how do you say it at Bible study? We, 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 there's things that drain you every day of your life. And if you're not refilled and, and maintaining a Spirit-filled life, you're going to be like a dead battery when you need to get somewhere. As a matter of fact, on our Sunday, Monday night, Bible study now, it's Monday night at our house in our neighborhood. We were talking last Monday night about one of the benefits of speaking in tongues, and that is that he that speaks in an unknown tongue charges himself up like a battery. Builds himself up. See, there's one reason right there why a lot of Christians go down when the crisis of life comes, when temptations come. They're a dead battery. They're weak. When the pressure comes, they don't have the strength they need to overcome. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Why? Well, so you don't fall and you can help other people up. It, it's, it's so beyond just what it does for us personally. There's a weak, hurting, dying world all around us that needs you and I maintaining a daily spirit-filled life. Because you can talk to somebody who needs a word of knowledge and not even be in the spirit, not even know what's going on in their life. Just say, hey, why was the weather? Bang, you go on your way. And weren't even sensitive to the fact that there was a need in their life that you needed to speak something else to help them get free. When you live a spirit-filled life, you're in a way better position to minister to hurting people all around you. And this is why we got to study this. Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin in 1987 for three hours, early in the morning. Talked to him for three hours about the state of the present day church. And this was in 1987. Some things had crept into the church that looked like gold, you know, looked like the real thing, but, but, but close, it was actually brass. It wasn't the real thing. Worship had gotten off. It wasn't in spirit and in truth. It got into this mental, emotional realm only. Uh, the Bible says they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the Lord had to do some correcting to the body of Christ through the prophet. How there are some things out of line in the area of worship. Clapping it got too excessive. Giving, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. No. We don't applaud the Lord. We praise the Lord. We don't put Him on the level of a man whom we applaud. We praise. You don't lift up your hands to a man and go praise you. That's only for the Lord. And we don't do this for the Lord. He deserves much more. Well, anyway, the Lord had to correct the church in a lot of these areas and get these things straight. But when he was asked after that visitation, Brother Hagin, 
Did Jesus emphasize anything more than anything else in that three-hour visitation? This is like the seventh time the Lord appeared to him. He said, yes, emphatically, yes, the Lord emphasized something more than anything else during that three-hour visitation, and it was what we're going to be discussing in this chapter, and it was in the book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And he said, this is it. The Lord said, quote, it's, this is the biggest thing he emphasized during that three-hour vis visitation. Jesus said, quote, it's my plan under the New Testament that every believer be filled with the Spirit. Now, I personally love that scripture in Chronicles where it says, Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. I believe the prophet of God. I believe he appeared to him because it lines up with scripture, plus the Spirit of God told me it was real. And if you're walking with God, he'll tell you things like that too. I'm not here to convince you of anything. You got the Holy Spirit. But I know he did. The head of the church told the prophet of God to tell the church that it's my will. This is the biggest emphasis of this final visitation to the prophet. It's my will that every believer be filled with the Spirit. Well, if that's the number one emphasis of the Lord to the prophet to the end time church, then I think we need to know what is being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Are there signs of being filled with the Spirit? How do you live a Spirit-filled life? What's the initial filling? What's the ongoing daily filling? All these things come into play because of the head of the church. If our master said, this is the biggie, guys, if you want one word from heaven right now through the prophet, it's this. Be very interested in and be filled with the Spirit of God on a daily basis. The challenges that are just around the corner, say at the Spirit of God, coming to this earth are greater than just being saved to handle. There are things coming upon the earth, some persecution in some places, things are going to be happening that you will need to be living a Spirit-filled life to stay above and overcome. I believe that's what the Spirit of God just told us straight from the hot, the hot wire, the red phone. There's some things coming on the earth in the days we're living in. It's no longer just cool to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. You and I are going to need it. Pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. I know in my spirit there's some things happening in the earth and about to happen in the earth that you're going to have to be maintaining a spirit-filled life not to get sucked into some deception that's about to be released on the earth. Did you not read the scriptures? In the last days, even the very elect would be deceived. If. If they're in a position to be deceived. I, I'm excited about this. Just because there's stuff coming on the earth in the last days, that doesn't scare me one bit because I know the Lord's word to me is still true. And, you know, I have seen, this is so interesting, but I have seen people who used to love what we all love tonight, the word of God, the word of faith. I've seen people, you know, today they are blaspheming that word. How come? And that, here's the weird thing about it. They think they're right in coming against the word of faith. They think they're right. Their deception is not knowing you're deceived. You think you're right and you ain't. And one of the things that will keep you above deception in these last days is being filled with what Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. 
spirit of truth. I'm just going to go ahead and say, it. it's, to me, it would be dangerous to go on in these last days without maintaining a spirit-filled life. And, and it could be a subtle, in a subtle way. The, the enemy knows he's got to work on some people for years before he can trip them up. He, he's patient. He's been around 6,000 years. He doesn't care if it takes a few years. Just slowly get in there and trip them up and then bang! Well, that's not going to happen to us. Your pastor is not going to compromise in these last days. Amen. <laughs> We're going to keep hearing the Word of God the way He wants us to hear it, popular or not. Amen. Right? Attracting the thousands or not. We're going to hear what He tells us to pre- We're going to do what He tells us to, hear what He wants us to hear, and move forward. So let me just say this. We've been trying so hard to get things out of our lives when we should have been getting more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me quote this to you. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that spirit walks through dry places seeking rest and finding none and says, I will go back to the house that I came out of and he comes back and he finds this person, he calls it a house, finds this person empty, swept, and clean. And says, empty, huh? He goes back in the house, invites seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Interesting. Say this with me. Clean Clean. is not enough. enough. How many think it's good to be clean? It's amazing to be clean. Are you kidding me? We're clean. But clean's not enough. If it was, then why would he say be filled with the Spirit? Well, I'm clean. I'm great. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. It gets us to heaven. But what about till you get to heaven? Many, 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 many people and even believers have problems in their life today for the simple reason they have room for them. What do you mean? They're they're empty. They're not filled with the Word. They're not filled with the Spirit. And it's interesting that one of the greatest things you can do to get delivered is just put so much of God in you and be so filled with the Spirit that there's no room for those other problems. I know from personal experience, you can get so full of the Holy Ghost and so full of the Word of God that depression that's been in your life for years is forced out by the law of displacement. And that's better than having somebody lay hands on you and pray a deliverance prayer for you because now you're not just free one day and maybe bound two weeks from now, you're free forever. I like permanent deliverance, don't you? I like permanent victory. Well, permanent permanent help comes from personal effort. You're going to have to do some things yourself if you're going to stay free. Hmm? That's why Jesus told the one man who got delivered from all kinds of demon activity. He said, now that you're delivered, go home and go tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. He had to get doing something. He couldn't just be free and go back to his old lifestyle. He had to change his lifestyle. Who knows what his previous lifestyle was. (laughs) Cutting on himself, full of demons and cutting on his skin. Living in the tombstones, naked. People try to bind him with chains. He breaks them asunder. Who knows what led up to that? 
But Jesus said, you know what? Uh, you got to change the lifestyle. Not only did you get delivered, buddy, but now you need to go home and do some evangelizing. Go tell, go tell him what great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Because if he would have went back into his previous lifestyle, he would have been back in the tombstone. Actually, it would have been seven times worse. And it was already way worse than probably the beginning. All right? Okay, so a major key to overcoming sin is just don't have any more room for it. Be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> okay. I can see you really like that one. A big problem in the church today is people being satisfied without doing Ephesians 5.18. Not really that big a deal. That's a huge problem. It should be a really big deal. We should be very interested, thirsty, and hungry for the fullness of God's Spirit, finding out everything we can about how to do it. I've been a pastor for over 30 years. All the problems I've dealt with in counseling and I've seen in prayer lines and helped people beyond church services, all of them could have been avoided if people would have lived a Spirit-filled life. Moving right along. Now, Jesus made this statement, talking to the Pharisees one time. He said, Woe unto you that are full. Just as awesome as it is to be filled with the Spirit, it's just as terrible to be filled with other things that you shouldn't be filled with. Woe unto you that are full. And one of the reasons some people aren't even hungry for the things of God is because they're filled with junk food of the world and they don't have any room for God because they're already satisfied in all this junk food the world's presenting to them, spiritually speaking. All right. We doing good, church? Proverbs 24. Oh, you know what? Um, go back to Ephesians 5 for a minute. I wanted to say this concerning... Uh, marriages and relationships and how being filled with the Spirit will actually fix the worst marriage problem. Ephesians 5, and if you read here in verse 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. In verse 19, he tells you how to maintain a Spirit-filled life. It has to do with what? First word. It has to do with speaking. If you want to maintain a spirit-filled life, something's going to have to be coming out of your mouth. Let me put it this way. If you want to maintain a spirit-filled life, and you do, you're going to have to speak divinely inspired utterances regularly, which would include other tongues. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Everybody say spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And if you keep reading here, he, then he, he moves into some other scriptures. He talks about giving thanks. This is how you maintain a spirit-filled life. And then he goes into, what is it, the next verse? Maybe, let's see the next verse. Yeah, so he says, submitting. Isn't it interesting that being filled comes before submitting? One of the reasons it does is because you're going to have a hard time submitting if you're not filled with the Spirit, because things are going to come your way that you're not going to agree with. At times, you're going to feel like bailing something you shouldn't bail out of. You're going to feel like being unfaithful. You're going to feel like veering off the perfect will of God for your life. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to have a hard time submitting. Offense, people that are offended and stay in offense, mark it down. They are not living a Spirit-filled life. Thank you very much. Good night. No, I'm kidding. I'm not done yet. Offense is a trick of the enemy. 
And if you're living a spirit-filled life, things don't bug you as much as they do when you're not living a spirit-filled life. You know what I mean by bug you? You know, wear your feelings on your sleeve, just touchy, fretful, resentful all the time. That's a sign that you're not living a spirit-filled life. And let me just say this. If you want to live a spirit-filled life, I encourage you, start tonight. Okay? If I could, I would command you. <laughs> Jesus is your Lord, not me. Um, but start tonight. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and you haven't spoke with tongues, I encourage you, just go for it. And then wake up in the morning and before you leave the house, depending on your schedule, I know if you work at night, you might have to do it in the daytime or whatever, but before you go out for the day, make sure you've read your chapter slowly, out loud, if possible. What are you talking about? I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit. They are life. Eat the Word. Pray in the Spirit for a while. Worship the Lord for a while. How long, Pastor? More than two minutes. This is not a duty thing. I think there's times, Lord, if, if we just do this as a duty thing, I think there's times, Lord, just say, just don't even do it now. Come back to me when you really want to do this. You know what I mean? And, and just begin your day with some word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can get some things from hearing an anointed sermon through a God-appointed leader in your life. You can't even get it home reading your Bible. Understanding of the scriptures. I, I just had somebody ask me recently, is there a, a way I can understand the Bible better? And I said, yeah. Before you read the Bible, pray and say, God, help me to understand. Actually get into it. Set aside time. Don't be running out with your coffee, reading your chapter, and say, oh, I read my chapter. Better not to even read it and wait till later than to do that. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've you got to make room for a Spirit-filled life. Okay. I'm having fun. I hope you are. So, okay, so here, here's the thing. If you move to the next verse, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So I wanted to say this. So many problems in marriages are in this area of just not getting along, not yielding to one another, not being submitted to one another. I know this one said wives submit to husbands. There's times husbands need to submit to the wife. There are. There's just times. Yield to each other. And, it's, and he, he lists this right after be filled with the Spirit. So many problems in marriages can be traced back to not being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, if we wanted to read it like this, be filled submitting yourselves. You just, you know, you have to jump from be filled to, to the next couple of verses, submitting yourselves. <clears throat> filled initially, two years ago, doesn't mean filled today. All right. Proverbs 24. Got to close. Proverbs 24. I like series because I don't have to get all my notes out. If the devil cannot keep you from being born again, his next level, high level attack will be keeping you not thinking being filled with the Spirit is that big a deal. I don't really need it. I'm going to heaven. A lot more at stake here than just us going to heaven. Did you know that Jesus 
did not even begin his powerful ministry till after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. No miracles, no healings, no amazing preaching. Not one thing is recorded of the Lord doing any miracle in the Bible until after the Holy Spirit came upon him. Not one. Did you know the early church had a commission to go to all the world and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, uh, and just minister powerfully like the Lord told them to? They were commanded to do that, but the Lord said, don't do a thing. Don't do anything until you're endued with power from on high after you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Apostle Paul? We don't see him doing any ministry until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Maybe one of the reasons we haven't seen what the early church saw is because maybe we haven't taken being filled with the Spirit as serious as the early church took being filled with the Spirit. It was a totally normal thing that when people got saved, they got filled with the Spirit as well. Totally normal. So Proverbs 24 in verse 10. What do you think of that verse, guys? Hmm? What do you think of that verse? If you faint in the day of adversity, that could be anything. Adversity could be opposition at work. It could be opposing uh, diseases against your body. It could be fear coming to your mind. It could be temptation trying to get you to sin. If we faint in the day of adversity, what's the problem? Hmm? Your strength is small. One of the greatest things, and we talked about this extensively in our Monday Night Bible study, one of the greatest benefits to being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is you build yourself up supernaturally on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And oh friend, that could be the difference between living and dying. Right? Falling and standing. Winning and losing. If some people just had enough strength, they would have made it through the crisis. They wouldn't have burned. They wouldn't have crashed. They wouldn't have done things they wish you'd never done. If they just had a little more strength or a lot more strength. Well, can you faint in the day of adversity? How come? Well, if your strength is small. One of the greatest things about being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Edifies himself. You never know when you're going to need to draw on that edification. Either for yourself, somebody in your family, or the world around you. You never know when you're going to need to be edified spiritually so you can take care of things properly. You know, in closing, Acts chapter 6, I've known this as a pastor for a little over 30 years now, that there are certain times the Lord prompts me to bring people on the team. Like, let's say, staff, paid staff. And it's always been, as far as I can, it's always been because I knew those people were either living a spirit-filled life or they re reverenced and, and respected living a spirit-filled life. And I found the scripture in Acts chapter 6. It says that there was a murmuring in the church because certain people were being neglected in the daily administration of food and clothing or whatever. And some natural things in the church weren't going well. So Peter realized, you know what? We need to deal with this. So he said, here's what we're going to do, church. To take care of this problem, look out among you seven men. Talking to the church. Look out among you seven men of honest report. 
full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. And I thought, that's so interesting because I, I see what he's talking about here. I am more prompted to bring people on the team who are living a Spirit-filled life than who are not, don't believe in being filled with the Spirit. And the reason being is because it's right here in the early church. I mean, it tells us right here. Being saved was not enough to work in the church back in these days just because somebody was saved. Maybe in a paid position or something, I should say. Helps team may be a little different, but I thought, you know, you need more than just being saved and, and you, you need more than just being honest and just being having a good reputation. You had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it must be recognizable or what would they be looking for? They'd go, hey, you filled with the Holy Ghost? They weren't asking people. They saw something. You can see a Spirit-filled life. And when they recognize it, they said, come on, we want to help put you over here. The apostles are going to lay hands on you, ordain you to this ministry. And it happened. So stand up, church.